Good evening. The Senate swears in. Pelosi wins. Richie Torres in Washington. A move by Trump supporters to overturn the election in the last days. And we're going to talk about the FBI and their right to spy with these and other stories. I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. The 117th Congress of the United States was sworn in today. As required by the Constitution, Vice President Mike Pence did the honors on the Senate side. Please raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic? That you bear true faith and allegiance to the same? That you take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion? And that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office upon which you're about to enter so help you, God. I do. I do. Congratulations, Senator. Thank you very much. Opening the Senate could be among Mitch McConnell's final acts as majority leader. Republican control is in question until Tuesday's runoff elections for two Senate seats in Georgia. The outcome will determine which party holds the chamber. Meanwhile, Democrat Nancy Pelosi was reelected as House Speaker by her party, even as several House Democrats broke ranks from their party and voted against her. The vote was announced moments ago. The tellers agree in their tallies that the total number of votes cast is 427, of which the Honorable Nancy Pelosi of the state of California has received 216. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received 209. The Honorable Tammy Duckworth of the state of Illinois has received one vote. The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received one vote. Therefore, the Honorable Nancy Pelosi of the state of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives for the 117th Congress. Before the vote, freshman representative and former New York City Council member Richie Torres had a few words to say as he entered the chambers to vote. Being a, was born and raised in the Bronx. I spent most of my life in poverty. I was raised by a single mother who had to raise three children on minimum wage. And I'm a product of public housing, and I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would embark on a journey that would take me from public housing in the Bronx to the House of Representatives right here in Washington, D.C. So I feel like the luckiest man alive. COVID has stripped the freshman class of the normal experience, but I, I can tell you in the Bronx, I have a mother who's excited to watch her son in, on C-SPAN. <laughs> I'm fully supportive of Speaker Pelosi. She's one of the most effective speakers in the history of the United States, and I could not be prouder to cast my vote for our historic leader. Former New York City Council member and newly minted Representative Richie Torres.
While Democrats have maintained control of the House, the vote in November was closer than anticipated. The GOP sent a bevy of newcomers, including Trump-aligned Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, who's been giving credence to conspiratorial QAnon theories, and gun rights advocate Lauren Boebert of Colorado, who circulated a letter of support to retain the right of lawmakers to carry firearms in the Capitol. Green was among a group of House Republicans led by Representative Mo Brooks of Alabama, who visited with Trump at the White House during the holiday about their effort to undo the election. But Republicans are decidedly split on the election challenge. Former House Speaker Paul Ryan says in a statement that Democrat Joe Biden's presidential victory is entirely legitimate. But Trump supporter and GOP Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who was grilled this morning by Meet the Press host Chuck Todd, says the challenge is payback for the Democrats' opposition to Trump these past four years. You made an allegation that there was widespread fraud. You have failed to offer specific evidence of that widespread fraud, but you're demanding an, edgy, uh, an investigation on the grounds that there are allegations of widespread fraud. So essentially, you're the arsonist here. Um, President Trump is the no, arsonist yeah, here. Yeah. You've started this fire, and now you're saying, whoa, look at this. Oh, my God. All these people believe what we told them because you didn't have the guts to tell the truth that this election was fair. This was started when the mainstream media stopped, dropped any pretense of being unbiased and actually chose sides during this election. This, this fire was started when you completely ignored, for example, our investigation of Hunter Biden. You know, no, no evidence of wrongdoing there, and now we find out after the election, no, there is a fair amount of evidence to the point that we have a real FBI investigation. Senator, so all right, I've had enough of enough of this, too. It's no, the Senator, bias of the it, media it is, that has spent, created a, 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 a situation where, where Republicans and yeah. conservatives do not trust no. the mainstream media, and that is what's that is what has destroyed the credibility of the media and our institutions and right. really no, the destruction confidence of in the election result. So I can start this. Listen, you, you have spent, and I'm just curious, Senator, you have spent much of your time in the last two years carrying a lot of this crazy conspiratorial water for President Trump, whether it was the attempt to sometimes blame Ukraine uh, for the interference in the election rather than Russia. Uh, you've used your committee to sort of create the illusion of voter fraud, as you just described earlier, because there are, quote, allegations. I, I'm just trying to understand here, what are you doing it for? You're not trying to overturn the election, you just said. Are you simply trying to curry favor with constituents of the president's? Is that what this is all about? Is this a, a cynical political ploy? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be transparent. You know, one of the things we found out in our hearing uh, is, you know, the, the basic allegations kind of fall into three categories. Uh, I would say the first is the either violation of or lax enforcement of election law. Uh, there, there is voter fraud. There always is. We had one uh, witness talk about 42,000 uh, people voting twice in Nevada. Uh, the, the other, the other issue Just really is the fact somebody that somebody said didn't make it, it, it true. Easy, it's easy. Senator, it's, it's none easy. of these allegations. It's, Stop. You don't get to make these allegations um, that that haven't been proven true. Here's what I don't understand. You understand how the, our government was set up. The reason we have a judiciary is because partisans like yourself weren't going to be trusted by the public to decide who won or lost an election. Let me ask you this: Who carried the state of Wisconsin? Well. Uh, Vice President Biden has won by 20,000 votes. Republican Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin and Meet the Press host Chuck Todd earlier today. 
The results come as the Washington Post released audios of Trump badgering and pleading with Georgia's election chief, Republican Brad Raffensperger, to change vote totals after Trump lost Georgia by thousands of votes. We have won this election in Georgia based on all of this. And there's, there's nothing wrong with, with saying that, Brad. You know, I mean, having, the, having a correct – the people of Georgia are angry. And these numbers are going to be repeated on Monday night, along with others that we're going to have by that time, which are much more substantial even. And the people of Georgia are angry. The people of the country are angry. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Now, do you think it's possible that they uh, shredded ballots in uh, Fulton County? Because that's what the rumor is. And also that Dominion took out machines. Uh, that Dominion is really moving fast to get rid of their uh, machinery. Do you know anything about that? Because that's illegal. No, Ryan, Germany. No, Dominion is not. Um, moved any machinery out of Fulton County? We're having well, but no, but, but have they moved? Have they have they moved the inner parts of the machines and replaced them with other parts? No. You sure, Ryan? I'm sure. The hour-long audio shows Trump often apparently incomprehensible, speaking to an attorney on the line with the Georgia Secretary of State. At one point, Trump demands Raffensperger find him more than 11,000 votes. He says he needed to win. You know what they did, and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyer. That's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard, and they are removing machinery, uh, and they're moving it as fast as they can, both of which are criminal fines, and you can't let it happen, and you are letting it happen. Oh, you know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. Brad, what are we going to do? We won the election, and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly in many ways. And I think you have to say that you're going to reexamine it, and you can reexamine it, but, but reexamine it with people that want to find answers, not people that don't want to find answers. Uh, for instance, I'm hearing Ryan, and he's probably, I'm sure, a great lawyer and everything, but he's making statements about those ballots that he doesn't know. But he's making them with such, he, he did make them with surety, but now I think he's less sure, because the answer is they all went to Biden. And that alone wins us the election by a lot. You know, so. Mr. President, uh, you have people that submit information and we have our people that submit information, and then it comes before the court, and the court then has to make a determination. We have to stand by our numbers. We believe our numbers are right. You're not allowed to give faulty election results, okay? You're not allowed to do that, and that's what you've done. This is a faulty election result. And honestly, this should go very fast. You should meet tomorrow, because you have a big election, election coming up, and because of what you've done to the president, you know, the people of, of uh, Georgia know that this was a scam. 
And because of what you've done to the president, a lot of people aren't going out to vote. And a lot of Republicans are going to vote negative because they hate what you did to the president. Okay? They hate it. And they're going to vote. And if you would be respected, if really respected, if this thing could be straightened out before the election. You have a big election coming up on Tuesday. Biden's win will be certified by the Senate and House on Wednesday, but Vice President Pence, in his role as chair of the Senate, will probably allow a two-hour debate on the validity of the vote. The debate won't change the outcome, but makes the normally routine procedure more noteworthy than at any time in recent U.S. history. Trump has called for a wild time Wednesday in the Capitol, and thousands of his supporters and members of the white supremacist group, the Proud Boys, say they'll be there. So will the anti-Trump group refuse fascism. Carl Dix is a spokesperson for the organization. What's going down around January 6th is that a sitting autocrat is calling on his supporters inside the government to work to overturn the results of the election that he lost and keep him in power. And at the same time, calling on his supporters to mob the streets and engage in what he calls a wild rally, which is his call to the Proud Boys to no longer stand by, but to go into action, bringing white supremacist violence into the streets. And people need to look at this for what it is, because Trump is a sitting autocrat trying to overthrow the results of an election from inside the government and outside. And this must be roundly rejected. Refuse fascism is calling for people to uh, just display broad rejection of this. We have not yet decided on a street action, but we are spreading uh, posters that say Trump lost, fascists get out all over D.C. We're spreading that right now. It's going to be going on for the next few days. We're calling on others to display their signs of rejection, whether that's hate has no home here. Black Lives Matter, everything that puts forward everything that Trump and the fascist movement that he heads rejects. At the same time, we have to look at the long-term impact of this. It is not clear that Trump can succeed in overturning the results of the election, but they're going to keep trying, and we can't sit back and ignore that. But even if they fail, we should look at the way in which this has unleashed forces. You've got people in Congress, presidential advisors say, oh, we can delay the inauguration just because the Constitution says it should be January 20th. That doesn't really bound us in. You have people saying, why should we be bound by elections that have been recounted, audited and certified if we don't like them? This is opening things up for fascist forces both inside and outside of the government to act, whether that's people in the law enforcement, police, FBI, who have, look, long and way before Trump have carried out severe repression against activists and, and, and against basic people, especially black and brown people. They're allowed to and do we that. Know it's very legal. And also among them are forces who want to go even farther. You know, the cops here in New York who were driving their cars through protests. Now, see, on one level, that's actually not legal. 
But on the other level, no cops have been punished for doing that. And it's all on video. So people need to be clear of what's happening right now. A force is being hardened and unleashed to bring down very severe repression, both officially and unofficially. And the good people, the decent people who don't like this, have to realize that that's not going to be dealt with by reaching across the aisle or achieving bipartisan unity because one of the capitalist imperialist parties, the Republican Party, is throwing its slot with all-out fascism, and the other capitalist imperialist party is showing that it's ready to conciliate with that in order to keep the capitalist imperialist system that is responsible for the police terror, for the attacks on women's rights, the attacks on LGBTQ rights, the devastation of the environment, the attacks on immigrants and all the rest, to keep that system in effect. The triumph of fascist forces like the Trump-Pence regime would mean that the chances of doing anything positive, making any progressive changes, would go way down. So that's how we're looking at this situation. The decent people have to stop saying, let's ignore these fascist idiots and hope they go away because they ain't going anywhere. Carl Dix is a spokesperson for the group Refuse Fascism. And the Nashville bomber. He sent packages, it turns out, containing writings and videos promoting conspiracy theories to multiple people just days prior to the blast. Authorities identified Anthony Warner as the suspect in the Christmas Day bombing and say he killed himself and possibly his dog in the explosion. Warner wrote about 9-11 and the moon landing, saying at one point the moon landing and 9-11 have so many anomalies they are hard to count. Warner also wrote that aliens have been attacking Earth since September 2011 and the media is covering up the attacks. Warner's writings also discuss the conspiracy theory that Earth is controlled by a race of reptilian lizard people. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. More than three years after the FBI came under fire for claiming black identity extremists were a domestic terrorism threat, the Bureau has issued a new terrorism guide that employs almost identical terminology. The FBI's 2020 Domestic Terrorism Reference Guide on Racially or Ethnically Motivated Violent Extremism identifies two distinct sets of groups, those motivated by white supremacy and those who use political reasons, including racism or injustice in American society, to justify violence. The examples the FBI gives for the latter group are all black individuals or groups. Mike German, a former FBI agent and now a fellow with the Brennan Center for Justices, Liberty and National Security Program. In 2017, the FBI manufactured a category called black identity extremists. It had this extraordinarily broad definition of what type of ideology or political goals would fit within this category in a manner that basically the label could be applied to any black person engaged in any violence, particularly violence against police. The broad definition suggested that black activists who were angry or concerned about police violence and racism were part of this category, which would therefore justify using counterterrorism tools to investigate 
black activists. What are counterterrorism tools? Using informants and tasking informants to infiltrate groups. For decades, the FBI has used informants to infiltrate groups and report back to them. Physical surveillance, covert and overt interviews where the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force officers showing up at your workplace seeking to interview you. Obviously, these kinds of investigative tactics can have an actual impact on your life. But more importantly, something that comes out of the baseline collection plan that the FBI published allows them to engage in what they call disruption strategies. And those could be anything from some kind of selective prosecution. They saw find some small error that you made in some government paperwork and prosecute you for that or other kinds of non-legal methods to quote-unquote disrupt your activities. There are tactics that the FBI has a history of using to suppress that kind of First Amendment protected activity. What gives them the chutzpah to do that? The FBI, it doesn't have a congressional statute that grants its powers. It derives its powers from what are called attorney general guidelines, and every attorney general can amend those guidelines. They were last amended at the end of the Bush administration by Attorney General Michael Mukasey, who provided the FBI an extraordinary authority to investigate people, even when there's no reasonable indication that they have committed any crime or may in the future. That allows them to use this manufactured category as a way to justify investigating black actors. It looks like nobody's doing anything about the QAnon or how about the guy who blew himself up in an RV? It turns out he was another one of these conspiracy buffs. Are they doing anything against these kind of people? There was an FBI assessment that suggests terrorism assessment that suggested that that type of conspiracy thinking could also pose a terrorist threat. And it'll be interesting to find out what the FBI knew about the Nashville bomber before the, the attack. I think that there's probably still a lot of information that hasn't yet come out. So hopefully that'll come out and we can begin to assess. I mean, part of the big problem with the FBI's counterterrorism program is that it won't release any data regarding how it uses its resources to target these various groups. So we know, for an example, that white supremacists are the most active in actually committing violence. And yet we don't know that that's where the most resources go. Who's not being investigated? When is there a big flood? Like what happened with the Snowden uh, things that were released? Great. They have gigantic warehouses full of trillions of megabytes of data. So what? Right. And that's a lot of the problem is the see something, say something attitude that, that, that the FBI and the broader law enforcement intelligence community has developed creates a lot of noise. We're fortunate that there's still very few acts of terrorism in the United States and that the signal gets lost in the noise. So it's entirely likely in each of these cases that the FBI did receive specific warnings about these individuals, but they're lost in a flood of similar warnings. And it's impossible for anyone to know of these thousands or hundreds of thousands of warnings, which ones might actually be realistic. The most biased agent has the authority to go out and target people he doesn't like because of their political beliefs or because of the color of their skin or because of their immigration status rather than focusing where there's actual evidence of wrongdoing. Mike German, a former FBI agent and now a fellow with the Brennan Center for Justice's Liberty and National Security Program.
And that's some of the news for Sunday, January 3rd, 2020. The news is produced with Linda Perry, our engineers, Max Schmid. From New York City for the WBAI News, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening. Meet us again tomorrow at 6 p.m. right here on WBAI New York.